Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Praise God. Praise God. Well, while you're standing, let's real quickly read one verse of Scripture found in Luke. And, uh, wow, that really felt nice to be able to announce that somebody else received the Holy Ghost at this church. And I don't remember reading that on that certificate in some time. I guess it's been on there all along. But it says, just like they did in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And uh, I'm not going to turn there and read that. I'm, I'm turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you have your Bible and want to be turning there. But in Acts chapter 2, it says, when they received the Holy Ghost, as it says every time, everybody listening right now, everybody online listening, every time it says somebody received the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, in the New Testament church, in the book of Acts, starting in Acts chapter 2, with the first time it says they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance or gave the ability to do so. And I heard Sister Norma talking in tongues the day she received the Holy Ghost. It was a week ago Sunday. Praise God. Give the Lord another hand clap. Let's praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. And you know what? The Lord wants to do that over and over again right here in this place. So let's talk about that tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 19. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Now I want you to, I want you to listen closely. I'm going to go through it pretty fast, but listen close. Listen fast. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law. He says, I became as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law to them that are without law, as without law. I became as without law. But he has to put this in parentheses. Well, he didn't write parentheses, but he has to say this. I was not without law to God, but I was under the law to Christ that I might gain them that are without law. Verse 22, to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might be by all means save some. Do you begin to get where Paul is going with this? He was saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to reach lost people. Amen. Let's pray. God, I want you to do your will here tonight. Speak to our hearts. Help us to get a better grasp of what it is you would have us to do with the precious people that you want to save through the ministry of this precious people that are already saved and attending this church. Have your way tonight, we pray. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to talk to you tonight from this thought, our customers. I want to talk to you about our customers. You may be seated. <coughs> uh, I was told that at some point in time before I became pastor of this church, which has been uh, a few years now, this September it'll be 30 years. My, where's the time gone? It's hard to believe. Some point in time before that, though, that a minister in this church, wasn't the pastor, uh, had the pulpit for the evening, um, and he was... Uh, in the pulpit, 
uh, and had started his sermon, and all of a sudden he reached down into the pulpit, and he pulled out something like this. And he was using it as an illustration. Uh, and so I'm going to do the same thing tonight. And I hope I don't offend anybody. I understand that some people were offended in the account I'm talking about because he chose to, as a part of his illustration with the shotgun. Now, this, this isn't a shotgun. This is a, a BB gun loaned to me by Brother Jeff Miriam some time ago to help deal with the problem of uh, continual accruing of pigeon poop in my carport. I learned a valuable lesson. Jesus said, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Brother Jeff, I'm sorry, but there's not one thing this gun could do to deter pigeons from roosting in my carport. The Lord taught me a lesson. I'm serious. Let him do it. I prayed, and uh, it took a while, but he got rid of them, not the BB gun. You either need to have the sight checked or I'm just a poor shooter, which is probably the case. It's probably me. I never hit one pigeon. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm not a hunter. I've never shot anything in my life except for a lot of the corners and walls in my carport. Um, but I want to use it as an illustration tonight to show somebody. Let, let's choose Sister Maria because she can handle it. I'm going to talk about our customers. Uh, and I'll go ahead and tell you who that is. That's our guests, our visitors. So important. So very important. Did you know that when some of our guests walk into this church or even on the parking lot, and the first church member they see walking towards them, sometimes to that guest who's never been here before, it looks like we're carrying one of these. It doesn't look like that. I, I, I should rephrase that. They feel like that that's what we're doing. And what I mean to say by that is, some of them come and they have no idea what to expect and they're scared to death and they don't know what's going to go on. Now, I'm not going to shoot this the way uh, it happened in the event several years ago. I understand that, that in the illustration, the shotgun was shot and scared everybody half out of their wits. And, and uh, oh, my wife's offering to hold this. She's scared to death of guns. I don't want to have to pay Brother Jeff for that gun. Um, have you ever heard this phrase, people vote with their feet? I've heard it all my life. I heard it first time in uh, uh, a company that I worked for many years ago who prides itself in customer service, and I really got an education in the seven or eight years I worked for that company. Uh, it is true in business 
that customers go where they're wanted, where they are made to feel wanted. I don't like going somewhere where I get the impression after I leave there that they really didn't care if I showed up or not, that they didn't really care if I wanted their business or not. Our same uh, interaction with guests when they come and grace this church and our services with their presence is very similar to that. Here's the thing. I know and you know and every one of you will agree with me, God wants every guest that walks through those doors to have the most tremendous positive experience that they can possibly have. And if someone leaves the premises, this property, this building, after visiting with us, and they have any kind of negative thoughts like I might have after uh, the fast food restaurant gets my order wrong for the 14th time in a row, Uh, I guarantee you it's not God's fault, and that's not the impression he wants our guests to have. Just like the upper management of that fast food company doesn't want me to have that negative experience. It's the people who are in the middle that the burden rests upon to make sure that, that the customer experience is what it's supposed to be. What it's supposed to be. Uh, in the heart and the mind of the owner of the business. And who owns this business of the church? It's the Lord. The company I spoke of a few moments ago is Federal Express. Well, they, they've shortened the name to FedEx. When I worked for them, they, they were called Federal Express. And at the time, they were an award-winning company, received many scads of awards for excellent customer service. Uh, They were number one in customer service and satisfaction in the delivery business, in the package delivery business. Mr. Fred Smith, who started, who founded the uh, company uh, in the 70s, came up with the idea. This was when the post office was really starting to go down in its customer service. He saw a niche. He saw a way to do something nobody in the market was doing, and that was you could mail something, a letter package, small package, overnight, Uh, mail it one day and it be delivered by 10 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. in the beginning the next day. It was unheard of. And so he built uh, a company uh, based on actually a thesis that he wrote for his master's degree in business college in Memphis, Tennessee. And Mr. Smith was from Memphis, and that's why Memphis, Tennessee is international headquarters and home of FedEx today. Uh, and why I worked there, because that was also my home. And he, he built this intricate delivery system based upon a, a hub-and-spoke uh, idea or concept. And every uh, day, uh, Monday through Friday, starting out, it's been changed since then, FedEx employees would uh, uh, pick up carriers, the people who drive their vans, would go out into the business community and the residential community and pick up packages and letters and so forth up until a certain cutoff time. Uh, Let's say it usually was around 5 o'clock, depending on how far away you were from the airport was that your package or letter was going to be placed upon and flown in the darkness of night to Memphis to the hub there on the airport property in, in the Memphis airport where your package would be unloaded along with thousands of others 
go through an intricate complex sort system to be sorted out and farmed out to a different part of the building where it would be uh, gathered together with all the other stuff going to the city you were sending your package to, loaded on an airplane and take off. And all of that happened in a span of about two hours between the hours of around midnight to 2, 2.30 a.m. Since then, the business has grown so great that they've built other hubs around the country and they have become really good at uh, logistics and, and getting things from point A to point B. But there's a problem with that company tonight. It no longer has near the customer service satisfaction or existence that it did 30 years ago when I left there. And my wife says amen because I'm going to tell you a real brief story about our firsthand experience with customer service from that company. Some years ago, they decided to farm out the actual delivering and pickup in a lot of places, including here in southern Illinois, to third party. Did you know you can buy FedEx franchise now? It covers a certain region. I don't know how much they cost, but the company no longer has complete control over all of the delivery process. There are people who drive FedEx vans down the streets of Mount Vernon who really don't work for FedEx. They wear the FedEx uniform, have it on their truck, but they work for a third party. And customer service or their performance, which customer service is based on, has gone way down. A few years ago, uh, when our daughter was preparing to get married, Shara, uh, I, I don't understand all of the things that go into the decisions made about weddings and, and the way people do marriage wedding ceremonies now. I, I can do it as a you know from a preacher's perspective, but everything else, it's 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 lost on me. But she wanted a certain dress, and so. Uh, there was a dress that was picked out, and it had to have this done to it, and it had to have that done to it. It was sent to expert seamstress to have such and so changes made. And, of course, you can hardly buy a wedding dress anymore, at least one off the shelf that's modest. And, uh, well, I won't go down that road, but we, we still need to be modest even when we're getting married in a wedding ceremony. And she wanted to be modest. And so uh, finally the dress was in its final stage and it was complete in its preparation. And whoever had it at that point shipped it to her where at the time she was living with my mother in the city of Olive Branch, Mississippi, which is a suburb of, of Memphis just over the state line. And I happened to be there on the day that it was supposed to arrive. And it's a good thing because Cheryl was at work. My mother was there, but she was elderly and couldn't be uh, any help in this situation. My wife calls me and says, the dress has been delivered. They're saying it's on the front porch. Well, first of all, a an item of that high value, and I'm going to tell you how much it cost. You can ask my wife after church. She's not going to tell you. Uh, an item that high value must go through the protocol that everything that FedEx used to ship 30 years ago went through. It's, uh, it since has been abandoned. And that was 
Somebody had to sign for it. Now, they don't do that anymore. They'll chuck it on your front door along with UPS's stuff and Amazon's. And you wouldn't believe some of our neighbors. Anyway, you wouldn't believe some of our family members. Uh, a lot of us do our shopping through, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just kind of making fun. So they say the dress has been delivered. And I said, well, nobody signed for it. My mom didn't sign for it. And I didn't sign for it. Well, go look on the front porch. Well, it's not on the front porch. Well, they're saying it's been delivered. We, we're talking to the customer service people. And I may not get every detail right uh, about this, and my wife can correct me later uh, if I don't. But uh, so it reaches a point where you've got to go look for that dress. And it just so happened that this had happened uh, a few months before. Cher had bought something that was to be a part of the ceremony. And they delivered it without a signature, Federal Express, to the same address one block down. Well, not the same address, but it would be the hundredth-digit difference. So instead of 50, 6559, Valerie, they delivered it to 6459. And I was just out driving one day, and I forget what it was. It was something that wasn't worth near as much as a wedding dress. And I found the box on this person's front porch. So when I got this call, no wedding dress on the front porch, very expensive clothing item, and it's not just the money. The money was the least of our worries. If that dress got lost, she probably wouldn't have got married. There's no wedding. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I said, I prayed about it, of course, and I drove down to the next block, and sure enough, there on the front porch of these people that I don't even know to this day, have no clue who they are, never met them, I wasn't going to knock on their door. There was Shara's wedding dress in a box about this long on their front porch swing. Again, I'm not going to tell you how much it cost, but it was more than one week's paycheck. I picked up the box took it back, called everybody on the phone, and everybody started breathing again. For a company that guarantees delivery to make that kind of a mistake is inexcusable. And I used to be proud of working for that company. If, if you lived in Memphis back 30 years ago and you got a job there, it was something. Not everybody could, but the Lord opened the doors for us did you know that Jesus holds us responsible for our customers? Brother, put up Luke chapter 14. I won't read the whole parable that Jesus told, but verse 23, look at this. The Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now, the background of this story is a certain man, that's the words Jesus used here in Luke 14, wanted to have a feast, a supper, and he sent his servant out to uh, invite a bunch of folks. They all had excuses uh, for why they couldn't come. So he said, well, then do this. Go get the blind and the halt, the lame, those that, the poor, and get them to come in. And the house still wasn't filled. So finally he said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Jesus wants us to invite people to his house. 
Now, there are preachers, and I get convicted whenever I listen to their sermons and videos on the Internet. Uh, you know, I get fed, too. I, I watch different apostolic preachers that I trust, and they say, you're not supposed to, and they, they talk about you. They say, don't let your people that you pastor get it in their mind that people have to come to the church to be saved. Well, that's all fine and good to say that, but the reality is 98% of people that get the Holy Ghost through the ministry of our apostolic churches in America, it happens in the church building. Now, I believe with all my heart those preachers that, that say, don't let your people get that mindset and that thinking that it has to happen in the church. They say it because, and I believe that it's true, there's going to come a day when we may not even be able to come to this place to worship God. We're going to have to go back to doing what we did a few years ago, and that is meet in people's homes to have church. We called them small groups, home friendship groups at first and then small groups. I don't know what we'll call them when the government shuts us down, says you can't meet anymore in a public place, but we're going to keep having church, and it's going to be probably in people's homes. So we're going to have to get used to praying people through the Holy Ghost and inviting them to our homes there and baptizing them in our bathtubs or swimming pools or what have you. But for right now, the fact of the matter is most people that we try to reach to uh, encourage them to obey the plan of salvation in Acts 2.38 when Peter preached the very first service of the New Testament church. This is the beginning of the church, first church service. Think of it that way. First sermon preached by a man named the Apostle Peter, Simon Peter. And, and when he got through preaching, they said, what must we do? He was, they were really saying, what must we do to be saved? It says they were convicted by their sin. His answer on how to be saved was, number one, repent of your sins. Number two, be baptized, not in the Trinity titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but he said be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of your sins, and then receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, and every time, as I mentioned earlier in the service, somebody received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other tongues. They spoke in a language they didn't know, they never learned. And uh, if that's new to all of you, tell somebody after church you want a Bible study on that because we can prove it in the Bible. That's exactly how it happened. Now, it's going to happen most likely in this church. Now, I want us to teach Bible studies outside of this church building. But when we have people visit us that are not, not a part of this church, not a member of this church, they are a potential member. Everyone who walks through the doors is a potential member. Just like everybody who walks through Walmart for the very first time, Walmart's door is a potential customer, uh, and Walmart really wants them to spend their money there, right? Well, we want everybody that comes to this church to become a member of it. Now, I'm talking to home folk, and uh, you understand where I'm coming from. So let's just talk about our customers for a little while tonight. And, and I want to say before I go any further, this church, I'm glad to say, is really good at this. Uh, I prayed about this when we first came, and over the years, the Lord has answered my prayer. And, and, and I, I don't want anybody to think I have the big head whenever I say I prayed and God answered. If I pray or you pray about something, it's God that has you pray about it in the first place. So God gets all the glory, okay? 
But we prayed. I wasn't the only one that prayed. God, make this a church. I cast vision several times over the first few years I was here. And part of that vision was that this would be a church of love, filled with the love of God, and that every person walking in off the street into our midst would be overwhelmed with the feeling of, of, of the love of God. And they would go away from here. I'm almost quoting it, not verbatim, but the, my vision sheet. It, it says that everyone who comes into our midst would go away thinking, my goodness, those people love God. God, and they love each other, and they love me. And that's still our goal. And so you all have been good at this. Uh, I'm not saying this in the wrong way. I'm saying it in the right way. Most of the time, you pounce on new people. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I just, my mind goes back today. I was thinking about several guests that we've had just this year and how I remember seeing you people talk to them and spend time with them and love on them. And, and, and we, we need to keep doing that. Tonight, then you may say, well, Pastor, why are you bringing this to us? It's, it's for, the, for, the, uh, for the benefit of perhaps those who haven't heard me teach on this uh, and maybe just as a reminder. Uh, so, and and who, who all knows that being reminded of stuff every now and then is needful and good. Okay, let's talk about, first of all, why do new people initially visit a church? Um, it's not because of the denomination. Now, I'm going to give you some uh, research findings that experts have, they've done research uh, among Christian churches, the Christian world, and this is what they've come up with about people and why they go to a church and so forth. It's not because of denomination why people initially, first time, go to church. It's not because it's a neighborhood church or it's close to them. People will drive a long way to go to a church they like. That's why the Lord, uh, I believe the Lord showed me several years ago that this church was to be and has been a regional church, that people would drive here from distances to come, not just those who live in town. It's not because of the doctrine, that first visit. Is usually not because of that. 86% they have found of visitors who come the first time do so because of friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors that invite them. I'm not going to repeat that. I'm just going to say we need to invite. Invite, 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 invite. Why? Do visitors return for the second time? Well, they have found one of the reasons is because, uh, and this is especially true in our churches where, uh, you know, the Spirit of the Lord moves. And, and I don't say that boastfully. Uh, how many have ever been to a church where you didn't feel a thing? Okay, it happens. Can I tell you, across all of Christianity, you walk into Every type of Christian church there is or that goes by the term Christian, more of them, you'll come away not having felt anything than having felt something. Okay. So people like to go where they feel the presence of the Lord. That's why I make it a, a, a focal point of my prayer throughout the week. And I want you to join with me. I know many of you already do. And praying that every service we have, especially on Sundays because that's when most guests come, is that they feel what God wants them to feel, and so that God manifests himself 
and, and his presence is manifested and felt mightily. Pray that with me every week, please. Everyone that will, say amen. So uh, because of that, they want to come back. And two, because of that, because God's presence is there, they developed some kind of a relationship with God on their first visit. Another reason people come back the second time is the continued influence of the friend or the relative or the acquaintance or the neighbor or whoever it was that invited them. In other words, they're still working on them. And finally, one of the reasons that people come back the second time is because of the way they were treated on their previous visit. Wow. Now, here are some things that people look for. Some of these uh, you'll say, oh, we do that good, and others you'll say, uh, we don't do that good, and then other things you'll say, well, I don't know. Uh, here are some reasons why people remain with a church. Why do they remain? And these are not in any order of importance, but they are reasons why people stay and continue to come back to a church. Number one, helpful worship services. Uh, number two, they relate to the preacher. Number three, the people are friendly. Number four, they have uh, adopted or bought into the theology of that church. Number five, live nearby. Six, maybe church programs. Number seven, follow up. That means people show an interest in them. Uh, number eight, children's ministry. Number nine, small groups. Number 10, the facilities. Number 11, the service schedule. Number 12, the church size. Some people like a large church. Some people don't. Some people like a small church. Some people don't. Uh, and finally, the denomination. Now, think about this. A good businessman will operate his business by the concept that the customer is number one. And we have got to focus on our customers. We've got to pray for them, and we've got to treat them right. Now, this, this may surprise you. Let me give you what the researchers who've done this research say are the 10 most important people in each church service. Now, some of us are going to have to get our pride off our shoulders and, or whatever and not get our feelings hurt. This is what they say. From a guest perspective, the most important person, this is from 1 to 10, the most important, 10 most important people in that service. Number one is the guest. Number two is the greeter. Second most important person as far as the guest is concerned. Number three are the ushers, people who help them find a seat, show them where things are. Number four is a nursery worker. That's for people who have children. Number five is the person who sits beside the guest. Number six is the elders and ministers. I'm not sure what that means, but this is on the research list. Number seven is the service leader. We're going down in importance. Number eight is the worship leader. And in some churches, as is ours, those are one and the same person. Number nine, y'all ready for this, is the musicians and the singers. And number ten, bottoming out, at the, as the least important of the top ten things that are important to a guest and their return is, somebody want to say it? 
a pastor. In fact, they say the pastor is usually the last person the guests meet in any given church service. Well, that's probably because the pastor is on the platform and conducting service or doing whatever. So the responsibility of winning new people is too awesome, by the way, and too great a task for just the preacher. Now, I'll try. Uh, I, I used to have, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but I used to uh, be chided, chastised by a particular member of this church. This was many years ago. And this individual had no problem telling me, you know, what they thought I ought to do and not do. And bless their heart, they're, they're a sweet person. I'm not even telling you whether it's a man or a woman, am I? So you don't have to guess. Um, they're not here tonight. They won't be here Sunday. They weren't here last Sunday. But this person told me, you need to be like the former pastor, brother so-and-so. And this dear saint was like some saints are whenever there's a pastoral change. The good things they like about the previous pastor, they, they wish the new pastor had those same good things. Well, please remember this. When I'm gone, when my wife and I are gone, the things that you like about us, the new pastor and his wife may not do things the same way. And, and, but there will be things you like about them that you don't like about me and my wife. So it will all balance out. She said, why don't you stand, I'm sorry, they said, why don't you, when you're done with your sermon, get, this is what they did. This is what the, the previous pastor did. And it was several pastors back. It wasn't the previous one. They would have, the pastor would have uh, one of the men pray the dismissal prayer, and th the pastor would scoot around and get to the front door out in the foyer and shake everybody's hand when they walked out the front door. Well, I never could make this precious saint understand why I will never do that. Because as long as something's going on in this auditorium, I'm going to be in here helping pray people through to the Holy Ghost, minister to people. And I tried to walk around and greet the guest uh, during the latter part of the altar service. How many have noticed that? Really doesn't matter if you have or not, but that's what I do. And maybe a church member who's missed for a while or someone that I haven't spoken to a while, I do my, my handshaking uh, in here where things are going on. Uh, and besides, people go out all different doors anyway. I can't be at both doors anyway at the same time. Uh, it's on you, folks. It's not on me. I, I promise you with all my heart, and, and God knows my heart, I pray for him whenever I'm not doing it exactly the way I ought to be doing it, which is the way he wants me to be doing it. Then he has an open door to let me know I need to change and start doing it the way he wants me to do it. But but, but I promise you I will do my part. I'll do my best to do my part to be the pastor, including in contacting and greeting the guest as much as I can. But it's on you. Sheep beget sheep. A shepherd never gave birth to a sheep. Never happened in this earth. 
Now, as a sheep, I'm not only a shepherd, I'm also a sheep. I need to beget sheep. Uh, that's why I like to teach Bible studies and invite people to church and be involved in soul winning and pray for them. But the majority of the new people that are going to come to this church, it's going to be on you to invite them and to minister to them after they get here. Um, let me... Let me read for you something. Um, this is entitled, this is about a guest experience at a certain church. It's entitled The First Five Minutes. We watched his taillights pull out of the driveway. It was a crowded Sunday just before Christmas, but as the car left our church lot, we sorrowfully realized he wasn't just turning around. He was leaving because he couldn't find a place to park. It was too late to direct him to the overflow lot, and it was too late to motion him into a makeshift spot or tell him about the great musical he would have heard this morning. It had been only one or two minutes, but we lost our chance to touch this man's life, all because of a crowded parking lot. Now, we don't really have that problem right now. I'm looking forward to having it again, and it's going to be a problem again, Lord willing, very soon. But anything, here's the point, anything, even very, very small, can turn a guest away forever. And it, it can be the, the piddliest little nitpickiness thing you ever thought of. But people are people, and you can't change that. You have to change to accommodate them if you want to win them to the Lord. Let me continue on. Um, by saying, I don't know how to do this. I can't do it mentally and feel what I felt. But it's been a long time for most of us here tonight uh, since we put ourselves in the place of a guest, a visitor. Uh, because really, think about it. After a church becomes so familiar to us, it, it's hard. It's hard to even remember how intimidating it can be to walk onto this property for the very first time and walk through the doors of a church building for the very first time. All kinds of things go through their mind. It's hard for us to, to think about this because it's been so many years for most of us. But people experience this every time they walk through our door. A am I early? Am I late? Did I get to service start time right? Will my children be comfortable here and safe? Will I know what to do in the service? Will there be people here like me? Will the people here like me? Uh, and, and while they say, the research experts say it's different really to put a, a quantification on it or to zero in on it, outreach experts believe that visitors might determine, some of them do, whether they're going to return to a church after the first time based on the experience they have in the first five minutes. Wow. That's almost scary. This is before they hear the wonderful praise band, the music, see the multimedia, or experience the moving sermon, hopefully moving. Uh, so we need to think about it from time to time. I don't need to tell myself as pastor of this church, well, this church already does this good and go on to something else. 
I need to bring this to our attention so that it will be at the forefront of our mind at all times. We need to ask ourselves questions like, does anything stand in the way of our guest having a positive experience at this church? Let's evaluate the first five minutes that our guests have in this church. Experts say that guests face uh, certain things when they visit a church for the first time. First one is direction dilemma. They say you need to approach your church from all directions and all possible thought processes. Are your signs that you have up clear and inviting? Is it easy to know where to park? Or even better, is there special parking for guests? And once uh, you park your car, is it easy to spot where you're supposed to go and where children are supposed to go? Or is there somewhere, someone ready to show them where to go? Uh, kid confusion. They say that parents with children are especially concerned about their children. It cannot be stressed enough that a clean, safe, positive children's experience can be the key for a family's future involvement in your church. And uh, experts admit that, that, you know, churches differ from, from one to another. You can't come up with one cookie-cutter uh, children's program and say that's the exact one to have that will make visitors want to come back. There's a lot of ways to do it and do it right. And so that's why we try to do it right. Uh, but... But our greeters need to know, do the kids stay going here? Do they go to uh, the children's classrooms first? Uh, how long are they going to be there? What about babies? Can they come into the auditorium or do they have to go to a nursery? And so our greeters need to be well-versed on all of these things to tell people when they walk in for the first time. Uh, number three is great greeters. And we have great greeters at this church. If you are a greeter at this church, you have one of the most important ministries in this church, bar none. Uh, we, we want our greeter team to uh, represent all age groups and all ethnicities, and they need to be posted uh, at the proper places. I think we're doing that. And uh, here, here's one that's really, really important. The experts say, Ask this question, are the greeters knowledgeable about the various classes and resources of the church? And they say, are the greeters really focused on the visitors or are they talking to other people, their friends, church members, etc., when the visitors arrive? Uh, I don't know that that's a problem, but I can see how uh, it could become one just because we're human. When a visitor walks through the door, whether you're a greeter or not, that should become your focal point of your attention right then. When a visitor walks through that door or down the hallway, if you're coming out of the restroom and a visitor, you all of a sudden see a visitor, you should make a beeline for them and start a conversation. Doesn't have to be long. Put your best smile on. Let them see your pearly whites and love them. Amen. Um, and here's another one that the Lord prompted me to put into this lesson tonight. Let them talk and you listen. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me how our flesh nature shows up 
in our daily life. It never ceases to amaze me how the enemy finds new ways, it seems like almost every week or even every day, to get at me through my sin nature, my flesh nature. It's a daily battle. It will be a daily battle for all of us till we leave this life. Uh, Paul said, I die daily. That means he crucified the flesh daily. That means he put the flesh and its desires under subjection to the will and the Spirit of God. Every day is what Paul said. And if that great apostle had that to face, who are we to think we're not going to? But I, I never, am cease, never cease to be amazed at uh, how we can just... And I, I have prayed for years that, that I'm just going to be a little transparent with you, that, that God would help me with that problem that I have of being so selfish and so self-centered and so turned in on myself and me, myself, and my family and, and, and uh, my life and my health and my money and, and my family. And basically, most of us, whether we want to admit it or not, we're really that way. And as a child of God, we've got to put that under subjection, especially for the work and the good of the kingdom of God. That means for souls. So when you're having a conversation with the visitors, let, let them talk about themselves. I mean, it's okay to talk about yourself. Did you know, I've read this many times, several times. They've done research. Most people in a conversation, the majority of people, not everybody, there are exceptions, but, but the majority of people engage in a conversation one-on-one -on -one with somebody else. In that conversation, most people, while the other person is talking, they are formulating, most people, who the one that's doing the listening, is formulating what they are going to say when that other person gets done with their sentence. They're not thinking really all that much about what the person is saying. Something that person has said has triggered something in their brain about them that has to do with their family or their experience. Or I went to the doctor and had that same thing. And, and, and they just wait until that person takes a breath so they can tell their side. That shows, I'm sorry, but it shows our flesh nature's grip on us. You have to fight that. And if there's any place where you need to fight that is in a conversation and in dealing with guests and people you're trying to reach for the kingdom of God. I'm not trying to get on to you. I'm just trying to say with your pastor, you need to join my venture uh, and my prayer and my uh, effort to get better at it. So if you want to get better at it, then you pray for me and I'll pray for you and let's get better at it. The last thing that experts say is important is the visual side of what a visitor experiences. As much as we would really like to believe differently, and as pastor, I, I've tried to deny this uh, from time to time, but it really is true that uh, our first impression of a church anywhere we go really is based on what we see, a visual Assessment: Are their signs up? Are they attractive and professional? Are they hand-drawn? Uh, 
Is the lobby cluttered with old literature and miscellaneous junk, or is it attractive and inviting? Let, let, let's don't clutter up a foyer, okay? I've seen pots and pans in there, clothing, gifts. Uh, if you want to give something to somebody, uh, you know, and if you're trying to get rid of something, I understand wanting to give it to somebody who may use it instead of throwing it away. Uh, but we don't need to put it in the foyer because if I'm a guest and I walk in and I see different kinds of stuff in there, um, I don't know what I'm going to think. Uh, but it needs to be clean and attractive and not cluttered. This is what the experts say. Uh, I'm going to close by reading one more item that's entitled, I Am a Visitor. You've seen me many times with many faces, many forms, and many reasons for being in your church. Perhaps I've been studying the Word of God and the Lord led me to your church. Perhaps my life has fallen apart and I'm homeless and haven't bathed in weeks or eaten in days and I've come to your church to find answers. Or perhaps I'm backslidden and trying to find my way back to God. From the moment I walked into your doors, I'm frightened and in anticipation of what I'll find here, will I find the answers to my problems? Will the people here be kind to me, or will they look down their noses at me because I'm, a, I'm different? I'm a sinner. Your ways of worship and praise are unfamiliar to me. I've heard of your type of churches before, but that's all new to me. I'm accustomed to a quieter, more serene type of service. Please understand that often if I withdraw, it's only because I'm trying to figure you and your ways out. When I don't clap my hands or when I struggle through the songs, I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm learning. When I ask questions of why you do the things you do, I'm not trying to be insubordinate. I'm just not accustomed to doing things that way. When I don't go to the altar, or if I do go and I don't perform to your expectations, it's not that I don't want to belong or join. I'm just counting the cost. Will I lose my identity? How much of my life will I have to change? Is this really the right way? Are these changes necessary? Is this all really for real? I want to talk about that for just a moment, the altar experience. We do this well around here too. One person talking to somebody. We want everyone that comes to the altar I want you to pray with them. Uh, again, I'll tell you what I told you 30 years ago. I've been telling you ever since, and there are some people who have gotten offended at this, but if you're a member of this church, you need to participate in altar service every Sunday. Every time we have an altar service, if you're a member of this church, you need to be up here in this altar, either praying for yourself or praying for somebody else. Somebody, you don't have to do it now. In fact, I don't want you to, but anybody, I welcome, I open the invitation for anybody to give me a reason why everybody shouldn't be in the altar during altar service. I, I know there are exceptions. You have to go to the restroom because of emergency. Maybe you have to leave early, uh, but that should be the exception, the exception. Most of the time, we should all be in this altar praying for folks. Now, I, I've had, God help me, I've had pastors, good pastors, whose I guess this is the way it was done years ago, who as soon as they got done preaching, they may have prayed for 
two minutes with somebody in the altar, and then they were back in their office. I've never operated that way, and I never will. God help me. Because the altar service can be the most important, significant time in a service, especially for guests. And that's when we should be on our toes and at our best performance as a Christian in this church. And I don't like using the word performance, but it's a ministry, and heaven and hell is at stake. So, uh, one person, I mean, several people can pray with an individual, but only one person should talk to them at, at one time. And you can take turns, but they shouldn't have more than one voice speaking in their ear when they're in the altar praying at one time. Uh, those of you that aren't talking to them, gather around them and pray for them. Don't touch them if they're new without their permission. That offends some people. I, I do it all the time. When I pray for somebody for the first time, I ask them, uh, in the Bible, they said, I, I explained to them laying on of hands, and I would like to do that. Can I pray for you? And I've never had anybody say no yet. But still, we need to ask them. People's personal space is theirs. Now, if someone has been here before and you know it's all right for you to touch them when you pray for them, then that's fine. Finally, please, please, please be involved in the altar service. Let's go back to this woman who says, I'm a visitor. I'm about done. Sister Edwards, you can come to the keyboard. And, oh, how I want you to be warm and friendly. I want you to know that I bring with me a personality not just a sinner looking for God. I'm unique. I'm one of a kind. God didn't make anybody else just like me. I can be suddenly hypersensitive. You can devastate me with a single blunt word or a funny look from anyone in the church. Your form of worship, your concepts of the Godhead, and your new appearance may be routine to you, but I've never been exposed to them before. By walking through the door of your church, I've journeyed into a place that could make me or break me for all of eternity. It may be that my sensitivity is exaggerated, but when I come into contact with you, please make me feel welcome. Let me know you are glad I've come to your church, no matter what my appearance or my condition. Amen. Please make me feel welcome. Let me know you are glad I've come to your church, no matter what my appearance or my condition. You may say to me, well, you'll catch on. Things will turn around for you now that you've made that step toward God. Well, I'm telling you, I, 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 at this point, don't even understand the full idea of God. And what I need is time. I need your testimonies and your good examples of Christian love to show me I can and I have made the right step. Never forget, you're a symbol of people who love unconditionally. Know the true meaning to joy and peace in Jesus and people who can help me with my problems. 
You can help me pray through to the Holy Ghost. You can teach me the importance of baptism and a repented life. I'm totally dependent on your knowledge, your goodwill, and your compassion. You cannot, you dare not forget about me. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, I, I, I say to you tonight, Calvary, let's do it. We've got a great foundation of several years now of doing it pretty much the right way. We, we've made some mistakes. We're human. We're going to continue to do that. But let's not get lazy or slothful. Let, let, let's not forget that these precious people that come into our midst, that somehow, some way, God ordained to come into one of our church services that God loves them and he died for them and shed his precious blood for them just as much, as much as he did for you or for me. And that if those people don't accept his gift of salvation, then they're going to go to that place of burning torment, fire and brimstone. They need God in their life. And God is dependent on you and he's dependent on me to be the vessel that he uses to reach them. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I want you to stand if you would and I want you to help me pray right now. Let's just spend a, a couple of minutes. Let's spend a few minutes. Not a long time, but let's pray God to help us. Let's ask God to help us do this the right way, his way. Let's pray and ask God to help us do it better than we've ever done it before. Hallelujah. To show us when we're doing something the wrong way and how to do it right. To let us know when we need to change something. Hallelujah. God, we pray right now for this church, not just for those of us that are here tonight in this service, but God, for everybody who calls this home, for every saint of God, Lord, that walks with you, connects with you in the services here at Calvary United Pentecostal Church. Every one of us that have been called by you to be your missionary in our neighborhood, to be your representative on our job, on our workplace, to our families, to our neighbors. Lord, to the stranger we meet in the supermarket. Lord, when we're doing our shopping, to invite Invite, 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 invite to love, 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 to shed tears in the prayer room for them, to beg you to let your love flow through us like never before, to do it your way. For didn't you sacrifice all, Jesus, not only that we could be saved from our sin and walk with you forever on streets of gold, but so that every one of them could too. Oh, yes, help us to realize that every day. Remember that. Help it drive and motivate us to be submitted to you fully and completely in your will that we might not hide our light under a bushel, but let it shine forth like never before. Like a city set on a hill, God, as this world continues to go down and get worse and worse,
as this country continues to slide down that slippery slope further and further into the abyss of Satan's mixture of all of his dirty things and his tricks. God, help us to reach out, to grab as many hands as we can, to pull them out of the pit with this salvation message that you bled and died to give us. This Acts 2.38, new birth salvation. Help us to love it more than ever before and help us to take it and go forth into our world with it like we never have before and help us to love people with your love like we never have before. I pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Jesus, use me. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.